The scripture reading from today comes from Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 33. Please follow along on the screen above or on your device. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that day, he was there alone, and on the boat and the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. Shortly before dawn, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said. Then Jesus got, uh, Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid, and, beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You have little faith, he said. Why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This is the word of God. Good afternoon. Testing, testing, working? All right. Yes, the new mic system is working. Awesome. Uh, we want to welcome everyone to our uh, 1 p.m. service here at Hackensack New Mercy. Uh, this year, we are um, we're really pushing the theme of faith. We're praying that the Lord will uh, teach us uh, another level of what it means to be a people of faith. Our tagline is Faith Forward. Uh, so throughout this year, 2019, our prayer as a community is, is that, is that, Lord, you know, we want to become people of faith, people of faith. Uh, so the first few set of messages in January, the full-time pastors, we've been sharing, uh, bringing uh, the importance of faith and introducing the theme of faith. And also, we're trying to lay a, a good, uh, just, a, just a foundation of some of the themes that we'll be preaching through this year. Uh, for me, as I was kind of preparing for this message, the text that came to mind was this text, uh, Matthew 14, where Peter walks on water. It's very interesting because uh, there are three other Gospels that talks about Jesus walking on water. But Matthew is the only gospel that actually has the story of Peter walking on water. Uh, Matthew, the, the, the whole book, seems to focus in on the stories and the themes of Peter and his faith. And we today are seeing a glimpse of that. Um, when we talk about faith and think about faith, I don't know what comes to mind. What comes to mind? You know, uh, some of us, we grew up in maybe a church context or faith context, and maybe you are taught, you know, you need to muster up, you know, just strengthen your faith or be more passionate. You have to be committed or be more, have more conviction to have faith. But I think the more we study what biblical Christian faith is, I think there are different dimensions or aspects that God teaches us uh, perhaps it's, it's, a, it's a lot different than what we, what we think or we thought. So today, again, just very quickly, I'm one of those you know, three-point preachers. So three things, looking at this text, we want to look at. Uh, what does it take? What are some of the themes when we think about faith or growing in faith, we could 
learn from this text today. So uh, with that, can we just pray one more time? Uh, let's pray. I, I really enjoy today's uh, praise and worship uh, as, we, as we started our worship service today. Um, I, you know, felt like the Lord was really moving in and through us. Let's, can, you, can we just continue to pray and let's worship the Lord? And let's ask the Lord, Lord, speak to us. Speak to us today. You know, we're here not just to kind of punch in and punch out Sunday worship, but we want to meet you. We want to really encounter you today, Father. Speak to us. We know that there is a word. Uh, there is truth. There, is, there, are, there are things that God wants to share. Uh, so God, open our hearts, open our eyes, and we want to see you. We want to hear from you. So speak to us today. Let's just pray. Lord, we thank you for calling uh, calling uh, just your people, your church today to gather and to come under you, this amazing grace that is in your son, Jesus Christ. So, Lord, we declare uh, on this day um, that you are our father, you are a good, good father, and Lord, we come as your people, your children. So, Lord, as we come before your word, uh, will you speak to us, Lord? We pray just the movement of your Holy Spirit to open our hearts, even the areas that uh, that's been a little bit hardened or, or rigid, that will you soften it? Um, will you help us really hear the voice of your spirit today? And Father, we pray for faith. We pray for an increase of faith, maybe a renewal of faith. For some of us, just re- restarting or giving us a spark of faith uh, for this year. Uh, so Lord, we thank you. We thank you for this time, this opportunity. And we come before you in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. One thing that we know about Jesus uh, was that he was a, was a master teacher. Uh, I think one thing that we don't really talk about too often is, is exactly that. I think he was very intentional in teaching important spiritual things to his disciples, and he never missed an opportunity. So today in John, uh, Matthew chapter 14, there are two big stories. We only read the second part, which was Jesus and Peter walking on water. But the story right before that is the story of Jesus feeding the 5,000, or technically it's 5,000 men with women and children. Commentator think, thinks it's probably 15,000 people feeding them with two fish and five loaves of bread. It's that story. And when we look at that story, I just want to start there and take us into our text today. When we start there, uh, you know, Jesus is, uh, John the Baptist just died, you know, his, his cousin, his close friend, brother in Christ, and Jesus withdraws. He's about to, he's, he wants to pray, he wants to be by himself, but then cr- the crowd comes. And crowd is, is so eager and hungry and desperate, and Jesus sees the crowd, and the scripture says that he had compassion on them. And Jesus goes, comes along the, 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 the crowd, and he begins to teach them and to heal them. And again, tens of thousands of people and begins to heal and, and just pour out his heart. Uh, and the, then the disciples come and, and telling Jesus, Jesus, it's getting late. Man, you've been healing all day. I think we need some boundaries here. Let's just shut this down. Tell them to go home. They need to go eat. Then remember that story. Jesus tells his disciples, no, you feed them. And they're like, what? Again, Jesus is taking a, a precious moment as a teaching moment, a teaching lesson. He wants to teach the disciples what? About faith. That what you see, the things that you see, yeah, you only see two fish, five breads, that, that's not all. There's much more. When you begin to open up your spiritual eyes, exercise faith, I'm going to show you, I'm going to teach you what it means to be in the spirit and to live by faith. 
than the great miracle, one of the greatest miracles of the Bible, right? I don't know if you guys ever studied miracles of Jesus, but this is the only miracle, feeding of the 5,000 is the only miracle that is recorded in all four Gospels. A lot of miracles, many, many miracles that Jesus, Jesus did, but feeding of the 5,000 is considered as one of the centerpiece, the center point uh, miracles, and then the miracle takes place. I mean, I wish I was there. I don't know how it happened. You know, two fish, five loaves of bread. As he's breaking it, he kept, kept on coming, feeding tens of thousands, 10,000 10, people. Or how did it work? I don't know. I'm curious. But anyway, the miracle takes place. And again, Jesus is teaching them. See, always the ministry of Jesus. There is a, there's the front-end ministry. There's the miracles. There's a power encounter. There's a front-end. But always there's a back-end. There's a teaching behind the teaching. And Jesus never forgets, never missed the opportunity. And he is teaching the disciples about, about faith, about how kingdom people, we should be different. We're not just limited with the physical of what we've seen, but there's a lot more. Miraculous feeding happens, then the story continues on to today. Right after the feeding happens, Jesus tells the disciples to go ahead of me and go across the lake. So they get on a boat, the disciples, and they, 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 they go off. And Scripture says today, what? Jesus goes to the mountainside and he prays. He spends time alone with God, stays connected with his Father, is praying. Then uh, the fourth watch of the night, which was about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m., Jesus begins to you know, journey out to, to meet his disciples. And by this time, at this time, there's a storm. Apparently there's a storm and a lot of wind and all these things happening. And the disciples in their boat in the, on the lake, they're, they're stuck. And the setting of today is actually, it's a, it's a little bit frightening. It's that of, of fear. It's that of terror. There's actually a, there's actually a word in here uh, as, as, the, as the text is describing the situation of the disciples. I think the NIV translated as buffeted, but the better translation is actually is they're tormented. And it's only used twice in the Bible. A very unique word, very specific word. So it kind of it teaches us the situation the disciples were in, in this boat on the lake. There's winds and storm, and they were tormented. There's fear. There's sense of uncertainty. That's the situation. That's the description of the context. And to this, on, onto the scene, Jesus comes and he walks on water and comes by and meets the disciples. And they're freaking out. Like, oh, what is this? This is a ghost. Then Peter musters up his faith. Lord, is it really you? Because if it's you, call me out. And Jesus tells Peter to come. And Peter takes that step, and he walks on water. Of course, he sees the winds, and then he gets scared, and he begins to sink. And Jesus, again, is right there, saving Peter once again. When we think about this text, when we think about this passage today, I think Jesus is really trying to make a point regarding life of, like, regarding life of faith. And uh, when, if we are to examine this text through the lens of faith, I think there's, about, there's three things. Okay, there's just three points today as we think about faith that, uh, that we're going to talk about today. Number one, growing in faith, growing in faith starts with having a proper view of God. In order for us to grow in faith, it starts with having a proper view of God. Uh, for the Christian, the most important thing about faith is not 
the amount of faith per se, but it's actually in the object of our faith. That makes all the difference. Right? So it's not you know, being passionate just for the sake of being passionate or, or, or you know, be strong in our faith, but a lot more. What's much more important is, again, being reminded what is the object of our faith. To what? Upon what are we placing our faith in? That's much more important. So all these narratives, if you study, if you think about the stories of Jesus and the miracle stories, what it's actually doing is before the display of miracles and power of God, all this stuff, at the end of the day, the Bible is shouting out loud, make sure you do not miss who Jesus Christ is. The focus always goes upon, goes back to the person of this, this man called Jesus. Because at the end of the day, for the Christian, our faith ultimately is about a person. It's about a person. See, if we are not sure, if we are unsure, if we are still shaky about the person of Christ, then obviously faith upon that person is shaky. If we're still confused, you know, today's text, Jesus comes. You know, in his compassion, Jesus comes to meet the disciples on the lake. They're suffering, they're tormented. And Christ comes and he walks on water and he comes to meet the, meet the disciples. Then the disciples sees Jesus and they, he says what? It's a ghost. It's a ghost. They don't see it. They don't see him. They think it's a ghost. A lot of themes of identity here in this passage, right? The ghost and Peter even kind of finally recognized Jesus and still not sure. Is it really you, Jesus? If it's really you, call me out. Questioning still identity of Jesus. Then the, how does the story end? At the end, it's kind of interesting because this is like a miraculous story, a fate story. But the, 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 the power punch of the story, the climax of the story, how the story finishes is verse 33. It says, Then those who are in the boat worship him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. This miraculous story, the story of faith, at the end of the day, it ends with identity. It ends with enhancing a proper view of who Jesus Christ is because that is connected to faith. See, a lot of us, I think, uh, perhaps a good starting point this year, as we even just kind of think about faith, faith forward, uh, maybe we need to go backwards a little bit, go back to the basics. Really, who is Jesus Christ? Because unless we know the person, we cannot trust in the person. You know, Lisa and I, when, when our kids were younger, uh, just any, any opportunity we had to, we could take, you know, have a date to go out. You know, we have four kids, and they're all old now. But when they were younger, I mean, it was, it was terrible, right? It was like, we can't go out, so we had to call a babysitter. But I remember those occasions when, uh, maybe, I don't know, 10, 10 years before, 10 years ago, 15 years ago, I guess. Nora's what? I don't, I don't know how she is. I forget. 14? I think she's 12. So maybe like <laughs> eight years ago, nine years ago. We go on a date. We go on a date, and Lisa would arrange everything. My wife. So uh, we're eating, and we're like, "Oh, thank God! God is so good. We get to go out. We're eating." Then I'm like, "I remember. Oh my gosh! I have kids. Honey, who's watching the kids? Because she'll set up all the babysitting." Then I remember a couple of occasions she'll say a name. Oh, don't worry, honey. It's so and so. Then I'm like, "Check, please. We need to go home. I know this person, and no, they're not watching my kids." Right? But then there are occasions when she would say, honey, don't worry, it's so-and-so. And we, happened to, we had all these amazing 
especially amazing sisters who, who just love on our family and really help raise our children. And there's this one particular sister person, and whenever Lisa would mention, oh, don't worry, honey, it's so-and-so, then I'll be like, oh, thank God. Honey, let's go watch a movie. <laughs> this could go on. Why? Because I know her, and I trust in her. I know her character. I know she's responsible, right? So completely related. Reason why sometimes we cannot trust in the Lord, we don't, or have issues of faith directly related to our intimacy. Unless you have a proper view of who God is, you, we don't even have a chance in enhancing our faith. It always goes back to the identity of Jesus Christ. That's why this story, the way that it ends, it goes back to identity. They worshipped him. And they said, truly, this is the Son of God. He is real. He is who he really says he is. So faith is enhanced, and enhancing faith also produces what? Worship. Worship. So for some of us, we need to go back. We need to take an honest look. Who is Christ? Why do I have such a hard time placing my faith upon this Jesus? Do I really know him? Do I really trust him? When he says he loves me, he has plans for me, he has promises over my life, he's with me, walks with me, runs with me alongside, do I, do I believe that? Do I trust in that? Again, Christian faith is not so much on the intensity of our faith, but it's on the object of our faith. Pastor Tim Keller, he, he, you know, the f- famous pastor, Redeemer, he says, it is not on the strength of your faith, but the object of your faith that actually saves you. Strong faith in a weak branch is fatally inferior to weak faith in a strong branch. The object of our faith. What are we holding on to? It doesn't matter how much faith you have, but it could be the wrong thing. Then it doesn't matter at the end of the day. So having a proper view, a correct view, a healthy, growing, intimate view in your, in your relationship with Jesus Christ, that's a starting point of faith. It is everything. Okay, that's number one. Number two, so first one is identity. Uh, growing faith starts with having a proper view of God. Number two, growing faith. To grow faith, to grow in faith, we must face our fears. To grow in faith, we must face our fears. One thing I am learning as I am journeying through my faith journey, uh, much of um, growing faith or growth in faith uh, has to do with uh, addressing my fears. If I were to be completely honest, uh, I think a big chunk of, especially in the realm of faith, what has hindered me the most, what has slowed me down the most, is not having the courage to honestly deal and acknowledge the fears that I have. We could pretend all we want. We could act macho and all this kind of stuff. But at the end of the day, we all struggle with fear. There are many different types of fear. We we have it. But the longer that it takes for you to really acknowledge it and say it as it is, God, I'm I'm scared. Today's text again. Purposely, I think Jesus is setting this context, this setting. Between 3 a.m. and 6 a.m., storm comes. And remember, these are fishermen. 
So water and storm and wind, this is not a big deal. But today, for some reason, the text says that they were actually tortured, tormented. Maybe something that was like a little bit little different, a little, little freakier, creepier. I don't know, like weather was crazy. And they were stuck. And they were really terrified. And on top of that, I don't know why, and I want to ask Jesus later when I meet him why, as this is happening, Jesus comes to them walking on water in the middle, middle of 3 a.m. in the morning. He walks on water in the middle of the storm. And, and they're like, oh my, they're freaking out. I think Christ is trying to make a point. There is a very significant relationship between faith and fear. Unless we face our fears, unless we admit and acknowledge, unless we are willing to go there, the areas of Fear, growth in faith will be slowed. Acknowledgement of our fears is connected closely to growing in faith. Pastor John Orthberg, uh, one of the just pastors I, I really respect, uh, he talked about faith and fear, and he says this. He says, the choice to follow Jesus, the choice to grow, it is a choice for the constant recurrence of fear. You've got to get out of the boat a little every day. Here is the deep truth about water walking. Fear will never go away. Fear and growth go together like macaroni and cheese. It's a package deal. Growth always involves risk, and risk always involves fear. So even for the Christian Scripture never teaches us one day you'll be done with fear. No, that's also, that's not true. That's not right. What the Bible teaches us, and and God says what? In the world, there will be tribulation. There's going to be suffering. There's going to be trials. There's going to be testing. There's going to be seasons why, when you do not understand why. You're going to question God. You're going to go through doubts. And there's going to be terrifying situations. It's going to happen. So fear part, it does not dissipate. It's not, it, will never, it, will never, it will be completely gone. But what God guarantees is that I'm going to be there with you. I'm going to walk alongside with you. I promise you. Even when you are going through those ups and downs and valleys and just difficulties and craziness, and when you're terrified, when you're paralyzed almost in your fear, I, I will be there. That's what God offers. So for the Christian, what we need to think through is how can we allow fear not to terrify us or paralyze us. And in the midst of fear, in the midst of all this stuff, how do we confront it in, in faith, with faith? How do we still take that step of faith forward? How do we go forward? Because John, Pastor John Orpok said, and I completely agree, this is true. He says, even in the Christian growth, if you are seriously thinking about and wanting to grow in the Lord, if you really do want to grow in the Lord, there's always going to be risk. You have to take that risk of faith. And every time you, you, you take that risk of faith, fear will come. Because there's something new. There's something unseen, unknown. We've never done it. And God takes us out. God calls us out. So there's risk. And there's fear. But when we do it, when we take that step, we get to encounter experience. And we, we begin to grow. So for us, as we think about faith, uh, acknowledging faith, what does it mean for us to face our fears? 
Now, for me, uh, fear, uh, definitely, when, if, I, when, if I were to look back, my journey is, is one of those things. Even when I was younger, um, I remember, just in a kind of like a little bit more of a superficial sense, at my house, when I was like five years old, my, my mom had this Jesus statue. I don't know why. It's like, like humongous Jesus statue. And she placed it right next to the bathroom for some reason. So I remember being like five years old. I couldn't go to the bathroom at night, especially, because I had to go through Jesus, right? And I was like, I don't want to look at this thing. And, and even just, I still have a trauma. Like, you know, I, I, I still remember. I talk about it at five years old, right? Uh, even, even things like that. I know some of you guys have like phobias, and oh, you can't look at circles, or whatever, spiders, these kind of things. But it's real. It's real. And I know. Because I, I, I've gone through it. And as you get older, what we do is sometimes we just cover it up. We're better at making excuses. We're better at just pretending it's not there, but it's there. And if you want to grow in faith, you have to go through it. You have to go through it. But God's going to be there. Jesus is going to be there. Jesus is the one who calls you out. Come. I know, I know you see the storm. I know it's terrifying. But come. I'm calling you. I'm calling you. And he calls us out. We need to face our fears. Last one, as we think about faith in this text, I think the last theme that we see is, and this is a little bit longer you know, sentence, is growing in faith, we must do away with those things that gives us the false illusion of safety and security. In order for us to grow in faith, we must do away with those things that gives us the false illusion of safety and security. Pastor John Orthberg wrote a book regarding this text today. He focused in on Matthew 14, 22 to 33. Uh, I really recommend this book. And the book title is, If You Want to Walk on Water, You've Got to Get Out of the Boat. And I know that even people in here today, our congregation, our church, I know some of you guys grew up in the church, and there were times, there were seasons where you have tasted what it means, maybe at a, at a small level, maybe a glimpse of it, but I know you've tasted what it means to live in faith. You, I know, I know you, you've, you've tasted what it means to come before the presence of God, that there are truly, there are things that are grander and beyond the things that are temporal and we see. And for those who have tasted that, I also know that there are some certain just part of you in your heart. Another fear, or maybe a bigger fear that you have is the fear that rest of your life, you're going to get just stuck in this small boat that you call it whatever is security and safe and never ever really experience and encounter the fullness of God. And you just get stuck in that little boat of security and safety and rest of your life, and that's it. And I, honestly, completely honest, and that's one of my greater fears. Yeah, of course it's scary, you know, doing things for God and, you know, God asking to, us to be generous and, and serve the Lord and, you know, like, about my family and all these things, of course. We could constantly be in the cycle of worrying. But the other side of it is, if you are serious about your faith, I wonder if maybe the more terrifying thing is from the, for the rest of your lives, you're going to get stuck in this little, this boat, whatever this thing called, safety, security, and you never, ever, never, ever encounter and experience anything remotely that comes closer 
the fullness of God. Remember a couple of years ago, Francis Chan, Pastor Francis Chan, you know, said this famous quote. He's like, he says, our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. Our greatest fear should not be of failure, but of succeeding at things in life that don't really matter. We hold on to certain things. It's a false illusion. There's this illusion, you know, oh, this is my safety. This is my security. And you know what? Usually it's, it's, a, it's, a, it's a little boat that we get in, and we're just stuck there. And we hold on to it. Never, ever even, even consider stepping out. Because for you, that's it. But I, but I, I pray. And I pray, and I, and I hope that this is a, 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 just a godly, blessed conviction that comes over you all of us. Maybe for once, I pray that you question whatever that you're holding on to as your security, your security, your safety. If that is not trapping you, you're just trapped, you're just institutionalized, you're just stuck. And maybe for the rest of your life, just think about just being in there. Never ever really encountering the Lord in a way that God wants to show you. I mean, I mean, Peter, a human being, because he takes that step of, of faith and risk, even for a short time, he goes and he walks on water with Jesus Christ. Imagine you're the other disciples in the boat. Say later, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later, you think back at that moment. Man, maybe I should have also done what Peter did. Was it really that bad, that scary, that risky? Because Jesus was right there. And we just witnessed what Jesus had done with the miracle feeding of the 5,000. And we, I knew that there's something about this man. But somehow Peter is the only one who sees it and he breaks out of it. And he comes out of the boat. And for the rest of his life, Peter has now a testimony. You know, Jesus is real. He called me, I went out, and I actually got to experience something no other person in human history has got to experience. But the rest of the disciples, they're in the boat, whatever they call secure and safe, and that's their story. I wonder, I pray, I wonder, what is that? What is that you think it's safe for you, the illusion that is giving you? It's almost like this self-deception, right? Because what is really safe? What, is, what brings real security? Is it money? Is it really you know, financial security, job? Because today you could go, come out of this room and, and any of us would get hit by a car and this could be our last day. I don't want to sound gloomy, but who knows? Scripture teaches us that, right? You know, guys like, oh, you know, let me just drink and eat and be merry. And he's piling all this stuff on and on and on, thinking he's going to live forever. When God comes and says, you fool, today I could just take away your life like that. Really, what is your security? What is your safety? Why are we so scared to explore and to come out of the boat and, and, and God, just use me, Lord. Show me, Lord. Call me. I'm going to go. Take risk of faith. Break out. Because for me, that's a big chunk of faith forward this year. And that's a big chunk of what I, I pray with all my heart, all of us, 
as a church community and, and individually that we experience. We, we encounter God. That God will take me out. God will call me. And I'll have the courage to say yes and go out. Because I don't want to get stuck in this little boat rest of my life. Just, just kind of complaining my life away. You know, could have been this, should have done that. On and on and on and on. And we pray for that. As we end, um, uh, so how do we start? Well, just one, one, one thing, and uh, then we'll end this. Uh, a good way, good point, good place to start regarding faith. Uh, one wise person said this. Never try to have more faith on your own. Just get to know God better. Never try to generate faith on your own. But the good starting point is just to just get to know God better. Because once you get to know God, you'll again see properly his goodness and his faithfulness and his beauty. And naturally, you begin to find yourself trusting in him. I don't know where you are in your faith, in your walk, but I think this sounds wise. I think this is a good place. Never try to muster a faith and God, I need more faith. Help me. I'm so, I've been so bad. I've been, I've been so far. But starting point always is going back to Christ. Our, our, just our, our precious Savior, Jesus Christ, who came fully knowing the ugly, nasty side of who we are. And he, he came to walk with us and to show us the, the kingdom truth. And now he calls us he said, come, get to know me. Come back to me. Then faith will naturally come once we have a proper understanding and again, a relationship that sets in. And faith will come. Come back to Jesus. Start with Jesus. Amen. So let's pray. Let's, can we just pray and we'll close?